London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. Hello and welcome to London Property, the home of Super Prime. I'm your host Farnas Fazaipo and today we're in conversation with Jeremy Gray, who is an expert in commercial real estate and you're going to educate us on, on various aspects of this. Welcome to the show. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I like to think I could qualify as, a, as an expert, but let's see, shall we, with your questions. <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy, tell us a little bit about yourself and how we got to here today. Okay, I'm Charter Surveyor, qualified in 1988. I've worked for James Andrew for 25 years. I've worked up from the relative junior to now the managing director. And I look after the commercial asset management team here. At and hopefully, I can teach you a little bit about that aspect of the business. Let's start with what is asset management with respect to commercial real estate? Well, we look after people's real estate for them. So we take a building that they've bought and we try and keep it occupied and income producing for as long as possible. And we maintain it and we talk to the tenants on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis, make sure that we can satisfy their needs to keep the building occupied. That's the most important thing. A commercial asset is only valuable if it's got an income stream. Well, obviously that, that's an aspect of it, but what else goes into managing these assets? Wow, well, we produce, well, we don't actually produce anything. We tend to get the cleaners in, we get the security in, we sort out the utility supplies, the heating, the lighting. And, we don't look after the inside of the space. We keep, you know, we look after the common areas and the outside. Very similar to residential property management. What's, what happens inside the building is the tenant's responsibility. The landlord looks after the fabric. So we look after that and we put all the contractors in that need to do that, making sure we comply with all the health and safety, the fire regs, everything. So those are the practical sides of, of, of uh, asset management, but as, a, as an agency uh, or, or a consultancy that is quite hands-on and, and, and very much about personal relationships, I suppose you get as, as deeply involved as they required. You get involved on financial sides, legal sides, you know, how long is that piece of string? I think it depends on the client, but we have clients where we hold their hand through the whole process where we find them the tenants to occupy the building. We get the lawyers working on this, this stuff. We make sure that everything runs smoothly. We report to them. We travel to see them. And we generally make sure the whole legal process ticks. And then once the tenant's in, our job is to be their best friend and make sure that they want to be in the building. So we generally go and see them periodically. We sit down, we talk to them, business going well, business going badly. We can then report back to our clients and say, guys, you know, there's a problem. Your tenant isn't going to be able to pay the rent. They're not doing the business. So you know, we have to know exactly what's happening on the ground. We also do market research. So we make sure that we know what's happening in the marketplace. So we can tell when rents are going up, rents are coming down. Obviously, we read the papers like everybody else. We know when recessions are, are on. And we try and relay that to the client so that they can make the right decisions as to what to do with their properties. 
And do you think the fundamentals have remained the same since you began or do you think that's changed? The emphasis has changed. So we, the, the fundamentals are the same. We've got to keep the buildings occupied. But the emphasis is on different things. It's very much more personal relationships now. And the tenants are very keen on sustainability and those aspects. Everyone wants their building to be the greenest building in the country. They want us to buy the electricity from green um, sources. We've got to provide them with um, recycling, all of those things, things we never thought about when I started in the industry. So we insulate buildings, double glaze them, make sure the air quality is right. We wouldn't have dreamt of half those things back in the 80s when I started in this business. And are those the main issues that property owners and, and, and tenants, occupiers are facing or is there more? I think they, the sustainability piece is the number one thing. And I think that when you're marketing a building now, you've got to have the best in class building. People don't want the secondhand um, stock. They want the best space because it attracts the best people. And now we're in this um, throwback to the work from home. Getting people back to the office can only be done by delivering the best office space. If people are coming in and going, wow, this is fantastic, they're going to want to come to work. If they're coming in and going, oh, it's the same old place we were in 20 years ago, it's not got the same cachet. And then, you know, the, there's no attraction to keep coming into the office. So it's a little bit parallel to what's going on in, in the residential market, whereby people just won't accept anything but the best quality. That is and, correct. And, yeah. you know, in commercial, I guess it's the same. If I'm going to come to work and you're going to do my laundry down in the lobby and I can go to the gym here and there's a room where I'm getting a massage, I'm going to come to work a lot more often. Correct. Absolutely. You know, those add-on services are what everybody's after. I mean, it's interesting. We actually had a request from a member of staff, do we have showers in the building? Because with the energy crisis, they wanted to shower in the office rather than use their own hot water at home. You know, those sort of things are going to sort of start coming into their own as we move into this energy crisis. That is actually something I had never thought about. I mean, I thought about the fact that, uh, giving our age away here, but since since 2007 when they had those attacks on the tube, I almost noticed overnight everybody was on their bicycles. Yes. And then suddenly it's like, hang on, is this just me or is there loads of people cycling? And then that's why I thought people wanted showers. But now you can add another layer to that. Correct. Correct. I mean, definitely that that is a whole new layer. And it's the electric chargers. You know, we we see banks of power banks on desks now where people are charging up their power banks. You know, young people can't afford to to live anymore. So they're using the office as a hub for other things. So actually... These kind of things are going to play a part in attracting people back to the workspace. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Where do you see the problems of the future when it comes to uh, commercial real estate? Well, the real big problem we got is the sustainability piece. Our building stock is old. It was ne- most of our listed buildings. You you cannot make them comply with the regulations as they are. It's going to be incredibly difficult. And all landlords are facing the same thing. We're going to have to hit a BEPC by 2030. That is incredibly difficult to do with an occupied building. And it's going to involve a huge amount of investment. And I don't know where that money's coming from. Today, if you go to the bank and want to borrow money for a development, you're going to find it really difficult because the interest rate is 
gone through the roof after the events of the last few weeks. And how would you advise your clients to, to try and become future-proof? We have been writing reports to clients about these minimum energy efficiency standards for the last five years, saying we need to focus on this. We need to put in place the plans. You don't have to do it all at once. You can slowly, slowly do these things to build up your layers. But there are things that when you get to a building of 30 years old, you're going to have to go almost back to the framework. You can't reuse the pipework. You've got to replace it. The, the drainage and all of those things, they're all old. The lift shafts will be okay, but the lift machinery, it's old. The um, air conditioning plant, we need different types of air conditioning now to what we needed back in the um, 80s and 90s. The outside air temperature this summer was absolutely unbelievable. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't believe that we were dealing with 40 degree temperatures. That's unheard of in London. And, you know, in order to actually deal with that outside air temperature, you've got to lessen the air, the fresh air coming into the building. That's not right either. And, you know, but we've got to come up with a way of dealing with these temperatures in the future. That's a very good point. Are you finding that the um, office spaces that exist are being used by less people or are you finding that people are actually taking less space to begin with? We have both. So we have tenants that are looking to reduce their footprint from 150,000 square foot down to 100,000 square foot, where they're using the work from home model as a soak up of that extra space. We're also seeing clients that are saying, well, actually, we, our staff are coming in from the regions. We can put regional hubs in and then just rent a meeting hub with a very small number of desks around it. So that when they want a meeting with clients, they come into town. The rest of the time, they work at the hubs. And then there are the other, the traders, um, the stockbrokers. They still want the same amount of space. They might spread the desks out slightly, but they want the same amount of space. The things to watch out for in the future are really mainly sustainability related. I think sustainability, I mean, we've got to get around this work from home. We've got to change our town centres from a place you've just come in to work. Um, if we don't move back to a five-day week, I think we're going to lose so many of our shops, cafes, bars, restaurants. They can't survive on three days a week. They really can't. I mean, it's not just the rental. Would you work for just three days a week as a person working in a cafe? You can't afford to. London's too expensive. In fact, any major city is too expensive. And what we really don't want is it just becoming a nighttime economy because that means it's even less attractive for the people that do come to work. So I think we've got to find this balance where people come back to work more often than they are. And I don't think we should necessarily go for just Friday not being a workday. When we have a workforce, we need to say, right, well, some of you are going to take Monday, some of you Tuesday, some of you Wednesday, some of you Thursday, some of you... Because then... We actually end up with an even spread of people coming into town, an even spread of people for the shops and cafes. They can cater for that. What they can't cater for is that completely unknown. Today, there might be nobody coming into town. The next day, we're up to the old levels that we were at pre-2019. Really difficult. Before we say thank you um, and goodbye to you, can you tell us uh, when you were asset managing, you could do that 
both for the landlord and tenant, because sometimes tenants take on these leases that are fully responsible. You have to educate me. Okay, so asset management is normally done for the landlord. Facilities management, where we would manage the internal space, can be done for the tenant. And a tenant may take too much space and decide to underlet space. Then they might need a kind of asset management, but it's a, it's, it's a lower level. They're not dealing with the bricks and mortar in the same way. So I would say it's mostly for landlords, but tenants may wish to come along and ask us, can we get rid of surplus space? Can we look after the surplus space for them and make sure that the tenant that they put in is going to pay the rent, they're going to maintain the building properly and generally comply with their lease terms? Because if they breach their lease, then they're going to find themselves without premises to operate from. If somebody required your services and they uh, wanted you to to onboard them, what does that process look like? So when you go into a building and you say, okay, we need to look after this building, so we need to know X, Y, and Z first. So we have a shopping list of things, information that we require. We have a booklet that we provide them with that tells them what we need. And if they don't have it, how we can deliver that package to them so that they do have it for the future. And it's reasonably straightforward stuff. We need copy leases, title deeds. We have a shopping list of things that we uh, we ask people for and we provide that to them. What they can't provide, we'll deliver them with a shopping list of how we deliver that. There are services we obviously don't deliver ourselves, but we know who can deliver them and we will tell them that this is the approximate cost and provide them with quotations to get that done. It's a reasonably straightforward process. Like everybody else, we have to go through the anti-money laundering situation. So we have to have copy passports and everything else. I don't think anybody can get away with not doing that anymore. But once you pass that level, we we can take over reasonably quickly. So um, one final question. I know I said we were just about to say thank you and goodbye. But one final question. What have you seen... Uh, as trends of things that office buildings can offer that are unusual, that is attracting the workers back to work? Well, interestingly, we went round 22 Bishopsgate with um, Sir Stuart Lipton. That building operates on a completely touch-free basis. It recognises you when you come in the building, if you're a member of staff. And when you walk up to the lift, it knows what floor you're going to. It's so clever. And maybe that's the way forward. This, the only problem with that is if there's a power cut, what happens? You know, and, and, and if the, I suppose the lifts aren't going to work anyway. But well, no, because you'll be asset managing. You've already put a spare generator somewhere, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. We have <laughs> several generators that run the lifts. Yes. <laughs> but it is that kind of thing. I think the, 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 the technology that we can put into buildings today make things so different to how it used to be you know but i don't think that we should go away from having a concierge on the desk because that person provides that human interaction the very thing we were talking about that you don't get when you work from home human contact yes well and all the mentoring that goes with that so thank you so much for talking to us and giving us a glimpse into the world of your asset management services 
And uh, should any of our listeners need your help, then uh, they will know where to go and find you in our expert directory. Hope so. We look forward to hearing from them. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you for listening. And in order to find experts like Jeremy, head over to our experts directory where you can get in contact with them directly and ask your questions and engage. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.